Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, today's episode is all about the importance of walking more in midlife with special guest Joyce Shulman of 99 Walks. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I am so glad to be here with you again. But just quick, before I introduce you to our guest today, if you want to find out more about how to get unstuck and live your best life in the middle, head on over to www.susierosenstein.com forward slash 10 questions and grab your free copy of my 10 insightful questions to reimagine your life after 50. All right, you are going to love my guest today. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Joyce Shulman is founder and CEO of the walking app 99 Walks and Macaroni Kid and reaches millions of moms each month with hyper local and national e-newsletters and websites, social media content, video and her weekly walk podcast. Having created a -a one-of-a-kind digital platform, she connects families to the wonders of their own communities and inspires women to chase their dreams and crush their goals. Her most recent endeavor is 99 Walks, and Joyce is on a mission to combat loneliness and improve fitness through the simple act of encouraging moms to walk together. And she has an awesome mission, getting a million moms moving. Her experience in business and leading mompreneurs makes her a coveted speaker where she shares tactics for beating burnout, fueling creativity, goal crushing, how walking can fuel productivity and performance, and more. Joyce received her bachelor's in business management from the University of Maryland and her Juris Doctor cum laude from St. John's University School of Law. After law school, she spent more than a dozen years as a New York City lawyer where her practice focused on complex commercial litigation. A self-confessed idea junkie in 1998, Joyce abandoned her law firm life to liberate her entrepreneurial spirit and focus on the things that are most important to her family, community, and empowering women to chase their dreams. So, you know there's a great story there. So let's dive in. Hi, Joyce. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Oh, Susie, I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be a very fun conversation. I know it already. I know it too. So good. So one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you was to hear about your path to becoming an entrepreneur. So let's talk about that first, and then that will lead beautifully into the amazing thing that you're doing, which is helping people walk more. So start out with who are you? What's been going on with you? Gosh, well, I am right in the cohort of your community. So I am in midlife. And that means there's a long journey to get where I am right now. But I started out my professional career as an attorney, a practicing lawyer in New York City, practicing complex commercial litigation and some white collar criminal defense work and a little bit of entertainment and all the good things. And unlike a lot of lawyers out there, there were things about it I absolutely loved. It was intellectually challenging. I worked with incredible people. It was so interesting. 
But I woke up one day and realized that my job was fighting other people's battles. That was my job. Other people have a crisis. Other people have a problem. And my job is to make their problems go away. And I've always been really entrepreneurial in my spirit. I actually started my first business while I was in law school, which is a terrible idea. (laughs) Um, But I always wanted to build something and create something. And that was kind of gnawing at me my whole career. How long was your career? I practiced law full-time for just under a decade. And then there was kind of a transition because Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to continue doing some contract law, uh, working on, I would sort of get pulled into big trials that needed an extra pair of hands. So I'd work really intensely for two months and then not. So there was kind of a transitional time. So all told, I think about a dozen years. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so when these thoughts popped into your mind, did you notice it as a thought? I want to be doing more working with people directly or something like that. Or was it a feeling? Because I just noticed I also really liked my job, but when it came like eventually, and mine was 15 to 20 years in when I first noticed the feeling, it was just not quite feeling content. So what did you notice? (laughs) So here's a story that I don't think I've really shared, but my mentor came to me one day and I worked for a firm that never made partners out of their associates. It was a policy of the firm. You really had to leave the firm, go do something else to get experience, and then come back. Very rarely did they make partners out of associates. And my mentor came to me one day, I remember it so vividly, sat down across from me at my desk, across my desk, and told me how he wanted to groom me to take over his practice. And he was a very prominent guy, and it was a tremendous compliment. And it was like the Charlie brown thought bubble over his head going, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and as he's, think, as he's saying this, I am thinking to myself, holy cow, if I wake up 20 years from now and I'm you, I'm going to kill myself. Oh, wow. And he left. And like, a, I don't know, four days later, I quit. <laughs> so it was a wake up call. It was totally a wake up call where all of these thoughts that you have sometimes and these kind of side projects you do suddenly you're faced with this crossroads and this moment of commitment. And you're almost, I certainly wasn't forced to make the choice. I could have just kept going. But it was at that moment that things came really clear to me that while there were things I loved about this career and these wonderful people I worked with, this was not my future. Wow. I love wake-up calls. I mean, sometimes they're painful and jarring and scary. But in this case, what impresses me about this story, and thank you so much for sharing it, and and I always love a good Peanuts reference. I really (laughs) love Peanuts, (laughs) is how quickly you consolidated that information from the wake-up call. Four days? It was pretty quick. Joyce, I was spinning for five years. I, I totally get that. I totally wow. get that because that there have been many of those kinds of crossroads in my life and they have not all been like that, I assure you. But wow, that is something. So, you know, I always talk about stuckness. Like we, most of us focus on the cost of being stuck on how much money we're going to lose or how could I replace this income or how long is it going to take me to replace this income? 
um, first of all, never thinking that you could surpass your income, but also not appreciating the cost of staying stuck and missed opportunity and who you're not helping and the joy you're not experiencing and all of that. So honestly, that's really impressive. So it sounds like, did you quit without a plan? I did quit without a plan. So I had been writing a bit. Um, I quit with, did I quit without a plan? I'd been writing because I've always, that's always been a, a part of who I am. Uh, that's how I process everything that goes on in my life. And I'd been writing quite a bit, actually. And frankly, I knew that I could pick up some freelance legal work. I was pretty confident about that. Uh, so my plan was to pick up some freelance work to pay my bills and to focus on writing. That was my, that was my grand plan at the time. Oh, I love it. And what were you writing about? Uh, at the time, I was writing fiction. Really? Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. So uh, this is nothing like what you're doing now. So how did you end up doing the work that you're doing with oh, it, walking? What was that like? I, how long, Susie, did you say we have to chat? Because really, it's, a, <laughs> it's quite a long story. But I, I left the practice of law. I actually stepped back in. I had an opportunity to work for a really incredible firm. I went back there for six months. It was terrible, terrible experience. And then I was done for sure. And uh, my husband and I both had this entrepreneurial bug and we would spend our Sunday afternoons talking about what we could do to quit our jobs, move out of the city and build something. So we had an idea that we thought was going to be brilliant. We quit our jobs. We sold our apartment. We moved out near the beach and we launched our first business, which was a catastrophe. We lost everything. We almost lost our house. I mean, it was bad. We lost our retirement funds. We lost the proceeds wow. from the sale of our apartment. We lost it all. Uh, and then we dusted ourselves off, picked ourselves up, and started business number two, which was honestly our first business in media. So we spent about 15 years in the media space, out-of-home, alternative, and ultimately digital media. And throughout all of that, walking has been a big part of my personal practice. So I suppose walking and writing, those are the two things that have been kind of consistent throughout my life. Susie, do you have a walking practice? I don't believe I've ever asked you that. I do. It involves my large dog, Nico the Noof. <laughs> so our walking practice really does revolve around our dog and we love it. Now, one of the problems though, is that he is so interesting that people stop us constantly. So they, yeah. They don't see many Lancier Noofs. And so what often happens is, well, anybody walking will stop, but also people will stop their cars. If I'm not on a trail in a park, like if I'm in the neighborhood, they stop. And then uh, the other thing that happens is people with little dogs, the little dogs are very intimidated by him and they get very scared and sometimes aggressive, right? So he just stands there, but we're often stopped. So I would say the problem with my walking practice is that a lot of times we don't have a consistent pace because we're stopped so often, um, but we love walking with him. And I'm very fortunate to live in a very green city with lots of trails and parks. So that is it. And I'm learning to appreciate how important it is to replace your sneakers regularly with the walking. Yeah. Absolutely. And how important it is to, there's a little bit of trial and error in finding the shoes and the sneakers that are best for you. Definitely. We hear that, we hear that a lot from people. 
Definitely. People will ask all the time, what are the best shoes for walking? And the question has to be, what are the best shoes for me for walking? Because what's going to be good for you is not going to be good for me. So I would say something that gets in my way is the weather. I have a bad attitude about cold weather. Oh, then yes, you do. You got to work on that. You know what they say? There's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. You know what? You're very true. And I did learn that with skiing, too. I was very grouchy about how cold it gets sometimes. And my husband said, no, you just don't have the right equipment. And I was floored at the difference that made. So I have talked about my bad attitude about cold weather on the podcast plenty of times because it is kind of embarrassing. But (laughs) but I am working on it. And thanks for confirming the importance of working on it. Well, if we're going to talk about that for a moment, we're totally going to digress. And I promise I'll go back to how I developed a community and a business around walking. But I have been an outdoor enthusiast my whole life. I've walked my whole life. I too am a skier. And it wasn't until last year that I discovered the profound difference between wool socks and cotton socks, even when you go out for a walk. Really? Changes. It was staggering to me. And now I would never go skiing in cotton socks. I'm not a lunatic. (laughs) Walking, like just, you know, going out for a 45 minute walk in the winter, I would just put on my usual gym socks. And changing to wool socks changed everything. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That is a tip from an excellent source. (laughs) (laughs) So we've gotten way off track. That's okay. Walking. So walking has always been a big part of my life. It's how I've kept my, my body moving. It's how I've maintained my weight. It's how I process big things. It's how I take time for myself. It's how I fuel my creativity. And it's just been part of what I do. And about seven years ago, I started walking with friends on a regular basis. And I discovered how wonderful it is to walk with people you care about. And the nature of the conversations that we would have seemed very different than conversations we had under other kinds of circumstances. And I came home from a walk with my friend, Anne-Marie, one day, and my husband said to me, you know, I think maybe there's something to this walking practice. I think maybe we could find a way to bring the benefits to more people. So that started a deep, deep dig into the research where I started to discover uh, just so much research around the power of walking for your mind, your mood, and your body. And that led iteration after iteration to the creation of 99 Walks, which is our current business. So when that idea came to the fore, okay, so I want to hear more about that idea. When you really started to think, oh my gosh, walking, did you have any resistance to actually focusing on walking as a business? Totally. I totally did. And I remember we were sitting on the front, on our front porch. And I remember saying to Eric, like, I I don't get how that would work. Like, what are you thinking? And then uh, just a couple of weeks later, we traveled to Hawaii for summer vacation. And we were, no surprise, out on a long walk. And we got to talking about what that could look like, right? The mission, the mission is simple. The mission is encouraging more people, women in particular, because that's the cohort that we knew best from our last business, encouraging women to get out and move and connect in that way that's so important for everybody. 
And on that walk, we specked out certainly what the mission was and how maybe we could start to get there. Now, you know, one of the things you mentioned when at the beginning when you said that you were in media as one of your earlier businesses and technology has just changed so much. So even when you came up with this idea for a business, the technology is very different now. People are more comfortable with apps. Podcasts have really taken off. So I'm just wondering, you know, you you probably couldn't even imagine what it's become now when you first hatched the idea. Our background at the time was in digital media. We were email and web-based. We had tried and failed to build an app. So the app first kind of business, 99 Walks is actually web and app, uh, about 50-50, right? But the product itself is an app. And that was very new and required a tremendous amount of learning that I'm still learning. And to your point, the evolution in technology is breakneck speed. Yes. It's like, right? You just, you, you figure something else out, you figure something out, and then there's a whole new thing. That it's so true. And there's just, it's constant learning. And I, I have, I work on it, but I do have a tendency to think that I suck at technology. So, when I notice that thought, I need to really go into um, very purposeful, intentional thinking that I also know how to learn, you know, and knowing how to learn for me compensates <laughs> with this freak out about technology. Um, but yeah, like being an entrepreneur, you have to be very nimble and very open to change. And I also just want to comment on um, and just I appreciate so much that you're talking about some of these failures because that is a part of learning and it is a part of being an entrepreneur and it's part of growing. And how can you know what you don't know? I really believe and I teach that we're on the right path already. And you were clearly on the right path to this business. Everything that you did has helped you where you are now, but it was impossible to see. It's so... Uh, there's so much talk about the value of failure. And the reality is when you're in it, when you're working on something that's not working, when you can't figure out how you're going to make payroll, when you have a vision and it doesn't come together the way, it sucks. Ugh, so yeah. uh, it's so hard, you know, to get out there and say, like, oh, you're failing forward. <laughs> because you ha- I just think we have to be sensitive to the fact that when people are in that place, it doesn't feel good. No. Right? It's so much easier to look back and think, oh, X got me to Y, Y got me to Z, and Z is pretty good. But when you're in X and Y, like it, it's no, it's not good. <laughs> no, it's horrible. And it requires so much courage. So much courage to believe enough to keep moving forward. I don't know. I don't know that I agree with you. Really? Let courage. me hear. Yeah, because what choice do you have? Oh, you have a choice. You have a choice to hang it up and go back to law. Which I fair enough. I mean, I thought about it. If I've probably thought about that fifty times, I think I thought about it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, we have so many choices, but there's something, your level of commitment to this idea and to this business 
is remarkable. You know, I think any entrepreneur who keeps going, it's remarkable because there are so many opportunities to freak out, to withdraw, to resist, to hang back, to not be as visible as you know you need to be. But, you know, the people need you. They need your work. They need this to happen. I, I suppose it's a fair point. You you call it courage, but for me, it feels like I don't really have a choice because the alternative of hanging it up, the alternative of not sharing that, which I think needs to be shared, the alternative of going back and doing something that I know didn't fuel me. Mm-hmm. None of that really feels like an option. So I don't feel brave. I feel like, I honestly, I feel like I don't have a choice. This is my path. This is my journey. Sometimes it's really, really, really hard. Sometimes it's really, really, really awesome. And it just is my path, at least at the moment. That's your mindset. It's amazing. There's a, believe me, there's a lot of people that have great ideas and they don't happen. Yeah. Right. So it's a beautiful combination. I love hearing about it. the other part of your story that really stands out is that you and your husband are so on the same wavelength that what you know, you're talking about this amazing time you had with your friends walking and that, you know, that ex- by sharing that experience, this this idea came that he saw something in there and and that lit you both up. I mean, that's really great. I, I just posted recently on my social channels, kind of a shout out to other people out there who are working with their partner or their spouse, uh, because Eric and I have been working together for more than two decades. Wow. And I, one of my old friends actually responded and she said, I've always been amazed that you can do this because my husband and I can't even work together to make dinner. <laughs> Hello. Exactly. So tell me why you think this message of walking is so important for especially midlife women. Why is it so important? So I tend to break down the value and impact of walking into the three pillars I mentioned, walking for your mind, walking for your mood, and walking for your body. And if you stop and think about a practice that is accessible to most, not all, but most, that checks all three of those boxes at one time, that's pretty amazing. And you don't need a gym membership and you don't need it. You don't need in anything. You just need a pair of walking shoes. And good ones. <laughs> and, yeah, you can start with not so good ones. You'll learn pretty fast. And some people like to prefer to walk barefoot, but that's a conversation for a whole nother oh day. Oh my gosh, I have flat feet. Like the whole shoe thing has been a, an issue for me since I was little. So I really appreciate the importance of it. But you're right. Not everybody needs the same level of care to their sneakers. Nope. So we can run through a little bit of it. So walking for your mind, the research shows that walking can boost your creativity by up to 60%. So I always tell people when you're stuck on a project, you're stuck on a work thing, you're stuck on a problem, and you think that sitting in front of your computer and one more Google search is going to answer the question, chances are pretty good what you really need to do is walk away. So a fascinating study out of Stanford University that one walk 20 minutes can boost your creative output by 60%, which is pretty amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Improve your 
decision-making and executive functions, rebuild your decision-making capacity and help fight decision fatigue, which is a real thing. Decision fatigue is a real thing. It's the reason that they put the candy bars by the checkout counter because they know by the time you have selected from 46 different kinds of peanut butter, your brain is tired and that Kit Kat looks really, really good. (laughs) So walking can help reset your decision-making capacity. It can help build your memory. So all of these are the short-term kinds of things. And the real magic is also the long-term impact on your brain because a regular walking practice can literally add volume to your hippocampus and make your brain bigger. People will often say, does walking count? What's enough? And the answer is, it's all good. So walking for your mind, walking for your mood, Walking has been shown to be as effective in some people, not all people, but as effective as medication for mild and moderate levels of anxiety and depression. And for people who are on medication, walk a regular walking practice is a wonderful complement to that. And what's happening, it's different for everybody, but what's happening physiologically is it's reducing your levels of cortisol. And it's boosting your levels of those happy hormones, dopamine, serotonin, endorphins. Uh, And walking with other people also boosts your oxytocin, which is our connection and collaboration hormone. Wow. And sometimes you see a deer or a hawk when you're on a walk, and then it's like so much excitement and fun when that happens too. So it's so funny you say that. There's a brilliant study about the power of awe walks. So researchers have started to name awe as an emotion. I don't know if you've seen any of this, but it's so interesting to me, and it goes to exactly what you were just saying. And awe is that feeling that we experience when we see something that feels larger than life. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I actually have a worksheet about radical amazement, which is a a concept that Rabbi Eschel talks about. And I have a worksheet just encouraging people to think like that and to capture it. And I've broken it down into some thought work. I love that. Oh my gosh. Then we have to talk a little bit more about this study. So what was so interesting, so experiencing awe, what the research shows, first of all, it makes you happier. It makes you more grateful, all of those things. And it simultaneously makes you feel connected to something bigger and also makes you feel smaller at the same time because you feel like you're part of this beautiful tapestry of the world. So this researcher went out to see if she could encourage people to experience awe kind of in their day-to-day. So they took two groups, a control group who just said, go out and, and walk, and the subject group who was given just a very brief introduction to this concept of awe, and they were encouraged to walk in new places, and they were encouraged to kind of look around and see if they could experience awe. And what they found is that little bit of instruction was enough to really encourage people to have and capture that experience of awe. I'm grinning my face off. That is amazing. I'm going to be following up with that. I'll put, I'll see what I can find and put a link in the show notes for that study. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. So you mentioned also something about menopause symptoms and walking. So there is 
surprise, I was going to say surprisingly, but not surprisingly, right? Because there's just not that much research on menopause, though it's getting better out there. Uh, but for me personally, the most challenging menopause symptom for me was the sleep disruption because sleep is everything to me. And for two years, I didn't sleep well. And that was not good. So there is a ton of research that shows that walking, especially if you walk early in the day, uh, can help you sleep better at night. It's really that simple. Wow. And so what is your personal walking practice? Do you walk alone? Do you listen to podcast music? Do you walk with friends? What's your favorite thing to wear other than the wool socks? What does it look like for you? So I, I walk in four different ways. And I'm pretty intentional about which of the four kinds of walks I take. So walk number one is when I walk by myself in silence. I say by myself, I usually have my dog with me, but mm -hmm. by myself in silence, no music, no podcast, no nothing. And I free my mind to kind of go wherever it wants to go. No intention, no anything. And the first 10 minutes usually kind of sucks because the first 10 minutes of any kind of exercise or movement kind of sucks. And then you get into that meditative default mode network brain place that's so amazing. Sometimes I just want to lose myself in a story or a podcast or music, and I will just crank up something, my favorite playlist, a book I'm listening to, a podcast that's really interesting, and I'll just lose myself in that. Uh, often I walk with friends. I love that because I get to check all those boxes at one time. Uh, and the last is sometimes I will take a particular challenge or a problem with me on a walk and I will strive to solve that. And as my mind drifts off, I will bring it back to kind of thinking through whatever it is that I'm trying to sort through. So I really do have four different styles of walking. Oh, I love that so good to be intentional rather than just wing it. I mean, that's one of the main thing I focus on in the podcast is the importance of being intentional. So you can be intentional, not just about going for a walk, but the experience that you want to create for yourself on the walk. I will say even this morning, I'm heading out for a walk as soon as we finish our podcast and our time together today. And I was going to text a really dear friend of mine who I miss and I really want to spend some time with. And I picked up my phone to text her. And then I thought, you know, what I really need is an hour to myself. Ah, oh, beautiful. Beautiful. So I hear you also have a book. Tell me all about that. I do have a book. So I wrote a book called Walk Your Way to Better which is more a book about intention than it is about walking. It's 99 thought starters and really the opportunity for me to share some things that I think we need to think about more that we don't often give ourselves the opportunity and the time in this space. So it is 99 thought starters, pieces of research, stories, and my hope and my request to my readers is read a section and head out for a walk and give your mind the opportunity to think about it and process it. So it's kind of like your fourth walk, except it's not a problem, although the reader could apply it to a problem. That's so good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So cool. And you said, you know, that you were a writer. So this was the first time that you wrote specifically about your business. So the book is not actually exactly about the business, really, it's a little bit more 
everything I wanted to share. Mm. It's yeah. Um, I am working on my new book, which is much more focused on walking for your mind, your mood, and your body. Much mm-hmm. more of that kind of traditional format of that sort of book. Mm-hmm. Lots of science, lots of stories. All oh, that. got it. Oh, I wish you the best with that. So where can people find the book that's available? Yep. So it's called Walk Your Way to Better, and it's available on Amazon. Amazing. And so where can we find your 99 Walk information? So... Uh, people can find me personally on all the social channels at Joyce R. Shulman and everything 99 Walks at 99 Walks. So the website, 99walks.fit or .com and all the social channels. And we post uh, just so much interesting content around the value of walking and really how to change your life with a fairly simple practice. Oh my gosh. So good. Thank you so much for sharing all of this information. I have complete justification now for replacing my sneakers. It is time. I'm going to look for a good sale and I'm super excited to read your book and to get a group going in my community, the Women in the Middle Academy. So stay tuned for that. Joyce, all the best. Thank you so much. This was so much fun to get to know you and I can't wait to read more about your amazing walks. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode. Joyce is so interesting, and I just love how she's helping people focus on one specific thing, walking more. 99 Walks is such a cool idea to use a virtual walking challenge to empower you to start moving and improve your lifestyle. What about you? What's your walking practice? Are you walking as much as you want? Would you walk by yourself? Would you walk without taking your phone or listening to a podcast? It's a great thing for you to think about. Like everything we explore here in the podcast, if there's a disconnect between what you want to do and what you're actually doing, you're not being as intentional as you could be. So look for the reason. Ask yourself why. There might just be a thought in the way that's not helping you out. Once you see exactly what you're thinking, you can make a shift in your thinking so that you do exactly what you want to do. That is regret-proofing your life. All right. As you know, my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and excited about your life again. So remember, if you want to find out more about how to get unstuck and live your best life in the middle, head on over to www.susierosenstein.com forward slash 10 questions and grab your free copy of my 10 insightful questions to reimagine your life after 50. For show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and you'll see the episode right there. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein and I'll talk to you next week. 